Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Welcome into the film room. I'm Justin Graver. With me, as always, is James Esparza. And on tonight's episode of the Titans Film Room Podcast, we're going to cover our top takeaways from the Patriots Titans preseason game that happened over the weekend. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast feed, Music City Miracles, wherever you get your podcasts, so you can get our show as well as MCM Radio with Jimmy and Terry. Without further ado, let's get started. Uh, not nothing really, to be honest with you. Uh, I was getting more grief probably from my teammates. Um, but I mean, honestly, it's just trying to make a play, being instinctive. I didn't really think much about it. All right, welcome to this new episode of Titans Film Room Podcast. Coming to you on Monday morning after the recent Titans-Patriots game. Titans lose 22-17, to a meaningless Week 2 preseason game. Are you bummed out about the loss? Uh, no, because this is like the first loss that I've ever seen that it felt like a win to me. That's exactly what I said on MCM Radio. So... If you guys want to hear a full, solid recap of all parts of the game, I highly suggest you check out MCM Radio. I was on with Jimmy Morris. You can find that in the Music City Miracles podcast feed. In the meantime, James and I are going to go through our top takeaways, the number one things that we saw in the game that we want to talk about. Um, So for a more thorough review of everything, check out that podcast. And we're going to get started on our podcast here. So what what was your top takeaway, James? Uh, well, eating this crow that, uh, you know, after making that prediction for Mariota, thought he came out and did it really well. Um, yeah, that, that first drive was kind of shaky, but you know, he came back pretty strong and, uh, I thought he was overdoing it towards the end there with that two point conversion, but, um, I thought he looked really good. Yeah, I agree. I thought that he could have looked slightly better but i was very happy with what we saw from him in this game to quickly recap what his what he did on the field uh the first time he dropped back to pass roger saffold got destroyed on a play that we're just gonna breeze on over because it was a little maybe a little rusty and who cares and then that brought up a third and ten where he tried to pass it to Corey davis and mike vrabel challenged the pass interference penalty that or there wasn't a penalty called and Mike Vrabel threw a challenge flag saying you need to call pass interference here. I don't think that anyone actually thought it was going to be pass interference, but it's cool to see Mike Vrabel trying to figure out how this new system's going to work and using the preseason games. And he talked about that in the press conference where there wasn't any pass interferences or he felt like they didn't really have a chance last week where they thought there could be pass interference and we're out here on third down. Might as well see what happens. Right? So that was a pretty interesting thing. And then on the next drive, it was 
a pass to D- to Darius Jennings for five yards, and honestly, AJ Brown was open uh, right behind him, and I'm not sure why Mariota took the shorter throw because he had an open deeper throw. So it would have been nice to see him throw that one to AJ Brown on their second possession, first play of the second possession. Which, by the and way, then, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, how excited are you for AJ Brown? Well, AJ Brown looked really nice in this game, even though he he didn't get a target outside of the pass interference penalty, which doesn't count as an actual target. <laughs> um, anyway, Mario is, I was just going to finish up this drive, ended with a Deion Lewis run to set up a third and one, and then a Deion Lewis stuffed at the line for no gain. So that was not an ideal second possession, but if we're judging Mariota's game, he threw a five-yard pass on first and 10. So, I mean, he could have thrown it to A.J. Brown, like I said, but he had a good play. Anyway, we'll move on to the final drive, the touchdown drive. Starts off with a play-action pass over the middle to Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker kind of had to go sliding for it. Um, on the next play, Mariota tried to hit Corey Davis, and it was the play where it was kind of ripped out as Corey was going to the ground. It would have been a diving catch. Would have loved to see him make that catch, but, you know, it was a tough one, and they're not going get to get them all, so that's all right. He then, they tried to run a screen play, and it got blown up completely, and so Mariota smartly just threw it away. And then the next play was third and 10. Mariota maneuvered well in the pocket, stepped up, and delivered it over the middle to Corey Davis, who dove for the ball, but... It's so weird when you watch the replay, it doesn't look like it's an off-target pass that he has to die for. He's just securing the ball to make sure he picks up the first down with the catch um, by going to the ground with it. So nice catch by Corey Davis, nice route. It was pretty much just uh, basically one-on-one. The Titans kept the running back, Jeremy Magne- or De- Deion Lewis, in and Delaney Walker in to block on that play. So it was pretty much up to Corey Davis to go out there and beat his man to make that a successful third and 10. So that was really good to see. And then um, a couple of plays later after uh, the penalty, after a penalty on New England, Mariota dumped it off to Lewis. Then we had the big 33 yard touchdown run nullified by Anthony Ferkser's holding penalty. That was kind of ticky tack that he, I think it technically was holding, but he should have just let go of his man a little bit sooner and they would have had it. Um, and it wouldn't really mattered. And then after the, Pass interference penalty we mentioned. Mariota did a great job of getting out of pressure to throw it up to A.J. Brown, and they got pass interference on the 11-yard line. Very next play, Mariota drops back and hits Delaney Walker in the end zone for a touchdown. Not any bad plays. I mean, on the play he took a sack on, he had Corey Davis, but it was on the other side of the field from where his first read was, so he didn't get there in time before he got taken down. And on the... Uh, AJ, I'm sorry, on the Darius Jennings catch, it, he had AJ Brown open, but he still got a five yard completion. Those are the only two plays that I even wanted him to be a little better on. So I thought overall he played very well. Uh, I think he needs to be better on that two point conversion as well. Um, it's preseason. I don't think he needs to be flipping over people to get a two points on a game that doesn't count, but you know, people are going to hype up this controversy and. I don't know if he's just a little bit fired up or if that's just the way he's going to be playing. Yeah, he and we just heard him talk about that in the press conference there. He said uh, he got more flack from his 
coaches than, or from his teammates than he did from his coaches. And that he's just trying to make a play and play instinctive. And he's not really thinking about the situation. And Mike Rabel also talked about it after the game. And he said, Teresa's first question of the press conference after the game was, did you t- say anything to Marcus after the, after the two point conversion about staying safe or whatever? And he goes, Nope. I told him great play way to make a play. Uh, good job because we're not trying to tamper down his um, aggressiveness and that's just the player he's going to be. And we just, he knows where the goal line is and he knows what it's going to take. So blah, blah, something like that, you know, it's like, all right, if that's what you say, like, okay, we cannot have this guy get hurt. Although we probably could have this guy get hurt this year. It would just be devastating as a fan of Mariota to see him get hurt and then not play anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't think it would be devastating for the team's sake because of Ryan Tannehill's abilities, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about Deion Lewis? I felt like every time he got the ball, I was cringing, but he actually did really well. Deion was okay. He had a great first carry um, where he kind of just powered through a very skinny crevice to get eight yards. He didn't get the first down on third and one, but... I figure the Henry's going to have that play 90% of the time anyway. Yeah, exactly. Even so, I mean, whatever, but you'd like to see them be able to convert that third and one. I'm not really sure what Jameel Douglas is doing playing with the ones so much. Um, The Titans really seem to like him. Mike Vrabel constantly brings him up in press conferences for how, how hard he works, and that's great. Like we've said on this podcast before, we love his effort. But I honestly don't understand. He continues to make mistakes and just miss blocks and get beat. Um, it's not that he's like making mistakes that much, I guess. He's just getting beat uh, and, miss, and whiffing on his assignments. So it's not – I mean, I don't know if they're just trying to get him extended reps – because they think he's the best they got and they're just trying to get him up to speed in case they have to throw him out there or what the deal is. But I, I just don't see any way that he ends up being the starting anything unless somebody gets hurt. I think they're just trying to give him some confidence. Like you said, he's making mistakes. So um, I don't know. Maybe they're hyping him up, giving him some first-team reps. Um, I don't know if he's a lock for the roster or not, but... I think if you build up that confidence a little bit, maybe he'll be useful later down the line. Yeah, and I talked a little bit about Jeremy McNichols on MCM Radio and how he's making a case to make the roster and uh, the fact that the injuries to the other running backs like Derrick Henry and David Flellen are really opening the door. And McNichols played very well. His final stat line was not good. Six carries, 13 yards, but that ta- doesn't take into account the huge touchdown run where he put a really nice move on a guy to get by couple nice moves actually to get by everyone and get to the end zone so and he also showed off the pass catching ability that makes him versatile and i think that he's gonna be a guy that's strongly considered for the final roster how many running backs do you think we keep this year so i i would guess four based on that henry lewis fluellen who's like a running back fullback kind of hybrid and mcnichols do you think barnes gets picked up on the practice squad that's probably the goal. He looked pretty good in this game. I mean, he had a they the Titans had a string of five plays where they gave it to Barnes five times in a row. Was it five or six? Sorry. Uh, I think it was five. Five for thirty-one yards. Five carries in a row for thirty-one yards. Um, that's a pretty solid stretch of plays for the kid. Um, after not looking so great last week, I thought he had a really good bounce back game and he was running hard and 
and making plays. So, yeah, I mean, he's probably still no better than the practice squad, though, because that's just how hard it is to make an NFL team. Yep. So after this quick break, we'll talk about our top takeaways from the other side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, anytime you get the opportunity to go and make some of these plays, um, you know, they're huge. They're huge momentum boosts. They're huge uh, change of fields. So, um, and, and for instance, like you said, it gives us an opportunity to score. Um, you know, you can't just dink and dunk and, you know, two yards in a cloud of dust every time. If you can get some of these big plays, it'll help you score more points. And we're back. Um, now we're going to talk about the defense and some of the things that we saw that we liked. So starting with you, Justin. Well, Logan Ryan's interception was a nice play. It wasn't a good throw, so it wasn't like an amazing play, but it was cool to see him undercut that route and, get, and pick it off because Logan Ryan was a guy that John Robinson scouted and helped bring into New England. And in college, he noted that he was a disruptor or whatever, and he I think he had like 10 interceptions in his first four years in the league or something like that, or I'm not sure if that's exactly right, but something like that. Mm-hmm. And since signing with Tennessee, he's had zero interceptions in two years. So it was cool to see him get a pick in this game, even though it doesn't count for anything. How many picks you? has, um, just kind of a side topic, but how many picks has Malcolm Butler had with the Titans? Two, three? I think two or three. Two or three. Miami, so, Washington, Would you have Jets, I think three. So the question I want to ask is, would you rather have Logan Ryan's production that he's had here in Tennessee with no interceptions, or would you rather have Malcolm Butler's two to three interceptions with the kind of shaky first half of the season that he had, and then kind of locking it down the second half? Oh, Logan Ryan, no question. Just the consistency. Yeah, and the leadership and the what he brings to the locker room as a guy who's a hard worker and a film study guy and all those things, I don't think... I think Logan Ryan's the most valuable guy in the secondary. All right. Hopefully we see him get a few picks this year. Yeah, not that picks are everything, but it would just be nice to see because True. turnovers help a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, were kinda, there were two plays that I saw that I was really excited about. One was the Dickerson play where he kind of blew it up in the backfield with the running back. Um, I'm really excited about this player. Uh, just kind of seeing what he's... Uh, he was disrupted. He seemed disrupted the whole game that he was in there. Um, and then you have Amani Hooker almost getting that pick six. It would have been like 101 yards, or but he dropped it in the end zone. Uh, I guess that's why he's a defensive back, but that was a really good coverage on that play. And I think, you know, if we start seeing that three safety look that Mike was talking about, or was it Mike? Yeah. Yeah. If we start seeing that three safety look, um, I'm pretty sure him, he might catch more of those than he drops. Yeah. Yeah, that was, a, that was a good play. He was reading the quarterback the whole way. Yeah. Dickerson's play was a third and one run stop um, with the first team defense. That was a pretty huge play. He blew up a double team, split it, and made a huge tackle in the backfield. And then another D lineman that had a nice game was Isaiah Mack, who has continued to impress. He had a really nice sack where he ripped through the O-line's arms and came around and got the sack, I mean, pretty cleanly, pretty easily, pretty quickly. So 
that that kind of guy is a disruptive presence inside and Dickerson and with guys like Jarrell Casey not playing and Je- Jeffrey Simmons not expected to be back anytime soon it's Daquan Jones also had a nice game he had a really nice tackle on a handoff play where Amani Bledsoe actually blew his contain completely on the outside yeah. and uh Daquan ran him down and it was only like a one yard gain because of how much hustle Daquan Jones had on that play so even though I think that the Titans have something on the D line this year that they haven't had, which is just a few guys that are going to be more disruptive than, I guess, than like Austin Johnson has been in what two, three years here, three years. Yeah, yeah. And then the laundry list of defensive tackles that we've had next to Casey since we drafted Casey, and it has not been a good list. Um, sure. So, so yeah. I'm kind of excited to see this depth and this how they're going to work out this rotation because they all seem. Uh, disruptive in one way or another and hopefully that's going to improve and then when Jeffrey Simmons gets back watch out and Sheree Finch as a starting outside linebacker is not going to be a weakness I don't think it may not be like a playmaking like Harold Landry on the other side but he's going to be a guy that is doing his job pretty well usually and he drew a safety in this game by drawing a holding in the end zone so those are great plays I mean that's that's huge he almost had an like an almost sack where the uh, quarterback just got out of reach. He started kind of pulling away. Um, yeah. I really wanted him to have that sack. Yeah. Another guy that looked really good again was David Long. He played more snaps than anyone. He somehow played 88% of the snaps in this game, which the next highest person uh, on defense played 51%, which was Frank Heron and Isaiah Mack played 50% of the snaps. So David Long out there for 60 plays. And he ended up leading the team in total tackles with eight. He is just plays so fast and instinctive. He reacts so quickly to what the what the offense is doing. I'm impressed at his ability to diagnose run versus pass without like falling for play action. He does bite on play action a little too often because of his aggressiveness. Like, yeah, exactly because of that aggressiveness. But overall, he was he was dropping into coverage too, and I thought he looked. Pretty good out there. The Titans are going to have a very solid core of linebackers on this team with him as the number four guy. He's going to be the next Jayon Brown, mark my words. <laughs> definitely. Definitely possible. Um, we had some pretty cold takes. Nah, you had a cold take. Okay, I had a cold take. My take was that Taewon Taylor would go over 100 receiving yards. And Taewon Taylor had two catches for 27 yards including a pretty nice hands catch on a ball that must have been tipped at the line of scrimmage from Logan Woodside because it was wobbling in the air. Um, I think it was tipped. If not, it was a really bad throw. Taewon went up, extended with both hands, kind of floated in the air for a second, it felt like, and snatched the ball. But, you know, he also played uh, 35 snaps. Cody Hollister played 38 snaps. No other receiver played even close to that. Khalif Raymond was next with 22. And he only had two catches for 27 yards. Like, he got to be a little more productive. I'm not... I don't think Taylor Taylor had a bad game. He did have another drop. Um, and then he had one contested play downfield that was a tough catch that I'm not going to call a drop. That was an absolute dime by Ryan Tannehill. Dropped it right in the bucket. And Taylor Taylor dropped it on the ground, even though it was really tight defense and pretty heavily contested. So... It's a play that, like, if he makes it, it would have marked some sort of evolution, I think, and that the fact that he didn't is just like, all right, 
we still kind of know who you are, I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of going to mine. I got to eat my crow. <laughs> I said Marietta was going to be five of nine for, what, 67 yards or something like that with two interceptions. Um, stat line was kind of close, but instead of two interceptions, he had two points. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll take that one on the chin. I'm glad he did a lot better than I thought he was because I didn't lose. So do you think the QB controversy in Nashville is officially put to rest? No, because Tannehill had another good game. And to his credit, he had a few passes out there that were absolutely beautiful. Uh, his pass to Anthony Ferkser was a really good, like that was an amazing pass. And it it was just right where it needed to be. Berkser caught it. And seeing something like that doesn't really rev up my controversy engine, but it makes me a little more comfortable knowing that we have him behind Marcus Mariota. The only way anyone in Nashville should feel is good about Ryan Tannehill because he's going to be solid if something terrible happens to Marcus this year. We're going to be just fine. All right. That's going to do it for us, I believe. We are going to be back very soon. I think Wednesday morning, we're going to have our in-depth film review takeaways from the film study. So tune in then. In the meantime, follow James on Twitter at South Texas Titan. Follow me at Titans Film Room. Check us out, musiccitymiracles.com. Just search Music City Miracles wherever you get your podcasts to find the feed and subscribe get our show and be sure to check out mcm radio where we really review the game a lot more generally so check that out and we'll be back pretty soon we love you